this is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. Thanks for listening to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. This is Molly Gamble with Becker's, and today I'm delighted to spend time with Dr. Christy Page. Dr. Page is a family physician and executive dean for the UNC School of Medicine. Dr. Page, thank you so much for joining me today and being our guest on the podcast. How are you and where do we find you? Where are you dialing in from? Um, thank you so much for having me, Molly, and I'm delighted to be here. I'm I'm actually in Chapel Hill right now, North Carolina, um, at the University of North Carolina in my office. Um, you might have heard we were grieving and going through a lot here in the university from a from a shooting that happened earlier this week. But we're supporting each other and processing through it and um, doing as our faculty members would want us to and to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so sorry for the pain, especially at the start of a school year, um, for you, the UNC community to be experiencing that. How how would you describe the the mood on campus? How are you and your colleagues doing? Well, everybody processes it differently, for sure. And so we we've got a lot of effort to to provide additional well being resources, counseling. Um, lots of sessions to to be supportive of our students and our faculty and our staff. Um, but you know, I also am just so proud to be part of this university where in times like these you see how people pull together and it's reflective of the um, the character of our university and the people in it. And um, in that way, it makes me feel proud in the midst of our morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, f- for listeners, Dr. Page, who might be a little less familiar with UNC School of Medicine. Can we begin today by having you share a few key facts about the institution just to help listeners better picture and appreciate your perspective today? Sure. Um, So we are uh, a large school of medicine um, in a proudly public leading research university here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Our School of Medicine has over 2,000 faculty. We train medical students, health professional students, PhD students, biological and biomedical science students. Um, It's a large um, educational enterprise. We have a large um, medical school, and we have a a unique position of being really strong in primary care and also in research, which is unusual. We have uh, more than $625 million in, in research funding from this last year, which places us in the, in the, among the top um, of public universities. We've got campuses across the state and really cherish the opportunity to serve North Carolina in that way. We're also, as we are part of the university, we're also part of UNC Health. And so I'm proud to also lead as chief academic officer in UNC Health, which is a large academic health system with 15 hospitals, 700 clinics. We've got nearly 45,000 teammates now across the state. Um, So my perspective as you're asking me questions is really from uh, leadership of a large academic and community health system and the beauty of the ways that those things can come together to serve the people. Well, also informing your perspective, you know, I, I wanted to spend a moment acknowledging that you are a lifelong North Carolinan, right? You've earned your I am. doctorate. 
master of public health, you completed your family medicine residency, chief resident position, and faculty development fellowship all in Chapel Hill. Um, that is a lot of consistent proximity to the institution throughout the course of your career and your life. How would you say that your home ties have really informed your leadership? Well, it's not something I had ever planned, but it, it certainly has shaped me, um, partly from being the product of public education and, and then having this opportunity as a young person right just outside of college to visit all 100 counties um, and go to all the high schools in all 100 counties of North Carolina. And that experience of seeing the wide variety of resources across our state and, and also just the beauty of the communities and the people and the land um, definitely impacted me. And then somewhere along the way, the kind of the mission and the ethos of the university and the health system to serve the people in North Carolina and my sense of self and my own sense of purpose as a public servant really became pretty intertwined. Um, so it's hard to separate that out at this point, but the that sense of wanting to give back to the state that's given to me is very much drives a lot of decision making and a lot of opportunity that comes. Um, one One example, if I might share, we had this chance to partner with another health system in the southeastern part of the state, which happens to be where I was born in that particular hospital and community. My mom still lives there. Um, but a partnership that um, we were able to negotiate with Novant Health spans our missions of our educational pipeline, growing our medical student um, training and other um, health professions training there, research, pediatric subspecialty care, all of those things made it really especially meaningful to be a part of a, a large agreement and a large initiative um, to give back to that community where I grew up. So that was one that was more close to home, um, but otherwise it's more um, just this sort of meaning and purpose that comes from being able to serve the state in a larger capacity. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Page, you mentioned something there, two things, you know, one that you are the product of public institution, public education, the other that you are very much, you consider yourself a public servant. When, when you talk about public institutions and public schools, you know, can you, what, what do you think are some traits of that? Um, I, I think it's worth mentioning and there's so much prestige associated with so many other private universities, but there is something to be said about some of the elements of public schooling and how that can really shape the leaders that emerge from those institutions. Well, I think we're, we're all here to make the world a better place through public or through private um, institutions. Um, but in the, in the public sphere, uh, there's just a lot more of the, the fabric of our university and of the work that we do that is embedded in this, that we're doing this by the people, for the people, that we care for all people in North Carolina. We want to give everyone the opportunity to have an excellent education. We are here to improve the health and well-being of all North Carolinians, regardless of their ability to pay. Um, and so a lot of the, the, the decisions that we make and the ethos of how we treat each other in collaboration to achieve that um, noble mission and, and public service mission um, has a certain thing that it's a little different than you find in other places. Um, but I can, I can say 
I'm certainly biased because I'm here <laughs> as part of a public institution. Um, but it's something that, for me, that service focus that we all have, it binds us together in a different way that is not just about our own self or our own career or the thing we're trying to achieve, but this bigger picture of the why and the purpose of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be really special. And it's certainly been part of the reason why I've stayed here all these years. Mm-hmm. Well, UNC School of Medicine, as you touched on in your opening remarks, over 2000 faculty, really strong roots in primary care and research. And you mentioned UNC Health, but if you'll let me, I'd, I'd love to keep focus for a moment on the medical school. Dr. Page, what would you say is the toughest part about leading a U.S. medical school today? Well, there, there are several difficult things about any leadership um, positions today, but um, the the landscape of the healthcare world um, does definitely impact um, the challenges that we face leading medical schools in, in the United States, trying to find ways to support and advance and really highlight the the beauty of the academic mission um, amid health system partnerships and managing relationships um, across large organizations. It, it requires some nuance to manage the dynamics and, and the roles of the academic physicians, community physicians, the urban and rural entities, um, the, the beauty of, of why we benefit from being both academic and community focused, and then the beauty of how we use that footprint and that opportunity to be not just academic in our ivory tower, but really be connected to the people across North Carolina to make you know research closer to home for North Carolinians or to make that education um, focused on service to the state. Um, those things have a lot of nuanced challenges in there. Um, that's hard to kind of put my finger in one word, but that's one. Um, the other would be just navigating complex social issues, well-being, things that deeply impact our students, our faculty, and our staff, this, this recent shooting um, among them. Um, but that is, it, it is a hard time to be a medical student. It's a hard time um, to be in healthcare leadership. Um, but there's also a lot of beauty and opportunity that comes there that we're trying to, to harness as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I gleaned from your response, you know, as our understanding of health becomes broader and includes various factors and things that perhaps weren't traditionally seen as part of the U.S. acute care health care system. It seems like that presents some challenges for medical schools too. Um, the menu of things that need to be you need to be aware of, accounting for, supportive of, having stakes in just grows longer. It would seem, Dr. Page, is that is that accurate? That is true. It's it's increasingly complex, and there's a lot to teach and prepare young physicians to, to navigate in their careers. The biggest among them is flexibility, adaptability, resilience, um, because as we make the changes we need to make in healthcare for our nation, it's going to look very different um, than it has in the past. It must and look different than it does now, and that will require leadership from our young physicians in training um, but also require them to be able to adapt um, and endure as we make those changes. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the students for a moment, if if you'll let me, and you know, physicians, g- generational differences, if we can begin there. 
between physicians can be a source of division, something, or, or on the other hand, it can also be something really work for stronger. And I'm curious from your experience, what do you see as a belief, an attitude, a value that you've observed among current or recent students that you see as a really positive evolution of not only this generation of physicians, but potentially all who currently practice medicine? There's a lot in that question. Um, and yes, it, it is easy to focus on the generational differences um, that, that maybe separate us or are harder to teach or harder to navigate as we do have multiple different generations in, it, in our school and in our learning environments. Um, but the thing I come back to is the, the depth of this generation's heart for service and, and that they're coming with a little more understanding of health disparities, of social determinants of health, and a real um, passion to make a difference, to influence patient health and wanting to make a difference in their communities, um, not wanting to accept uh, that this is just the way it is, but that we must eliminate these health disparities and address social determinants of health. So that they're coming to us in a way that inspires us, I think, to not accept the, the status quo and in a way that inspires us to keep going. I mean, it's that time with students and they're just like, not just, it's not an idealism. It's more of a, of a realistic optimism um, and commitment to, to making a difference. Um, and so that, you know, certainly inspiring to me as an educator. Um, I also think they come with a lot more clinical experience than they did in the past um, because most students um, need to do some clinical work and there's more um, expectation that they do that before they come to us. So they have a bigger understanding of the need for working in teams, um, a little more sense of humility that it's not all about the doctor. Um, and I, and that, that too is something that I think um, is a little different in this generation of coming with that um, experience and knowledge that will help us move forward in teams. Mm -hmm. You said a lot, a lot of great things there, you know, understanding, greater understanding of health inequities, greater sense of humility, also a, a really rich understanding of the importance of teams, but then also inspiring you to not accept the status quo. And I imagine Dr. Page on a good day that is inspiring. I also imagine that for some teams or perhaps people who have been in the field for a lot longer, that can also be like kind of irritating at times, you know, to, to, I'm curious how you would advise colleagues who, when a younger generation comes in with that sense of the status quo will not hold, we cannot keep going about this the way we have. What do you, how would you encourage them to respond to that? What a great question. I think that um, just as, as they're coming with some humility, but also with some, you know, activated urgency of fixing all these problems, um, especially when they may not have enough life experience or just experience in the field or knowledge and understanding of how the different payment systems work or all the complexities of healthcare. Yes, it can be um, easy for people to sort of push them off or feel annoyed by that if they don't understand the landscape, but yet it's on us to help bring them on, bring them along, bring them in because they often do have really creative and new ideas, new ways of thinking and doing things that offer so much value to us if we can 
if we can find that shared space to bring them in enough in the places they can understand to give us those great ideas. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just call upon some patience and inspiration. And, you know, with anything, you can look at the at the harder parts or you can blow off the, the frustrating parts of that insistency for change. Um, but it also can compel us and inspire us to, like, wake up and make the world a better place with them. Um, rather than feeling like they're against us. Right. And I think also the value of that spirit and that ingenuity, and also just their, like you said, their commitment to service um, and rejection of the status quo any day, you would take that over cynicism, right? I think that's something that can be really powerful. Absolutely. And it's true that the best ideas, I mean, truly the best ideas when we're doing quality improvement or process improvement, it comes from our patients and it comes from our learners. It comes from the people who are, you know, really in it. And those, um, those new ideas and innovations, um, you know, can't be ignored because the people, those of us who've been doing it one way forever often can't see it. Um, and so, it's true every time that they have the best ideas. Um, so finding a way to, to bridge those generational differences bears a lot of fruit. Well, Dr. Page, I understand I'm speaking to you in a, a difficult week for the UNC community on the heels of the shooting that occurred um, just days prior from as we're speaking now. But um, I drafted this question before that news, and I, I think it's still an important one. UNC isn't alone in, in struggling with supporting students. Nearly 30% of medical students and residents suffer from depression. That figure comes from the AAMC. Can you talk a bit about this? You, you'd mentioned well-being early in your remarks. Can you can you talk about your how you see your role as a leader in ensuring that students have support through what can be really difficult training years? Absolutely. It is a really tough time. And medical school is so intense. It's been altered dramatically over the last few years as the the impact of the adolescent mental health crisis has um, has been impacted the the next wave of students who are in university and who are in medical school um, compounded by the stressors of being in medical school and residency so we've we've done a number of things it's one of those where I feel proud of what we do but we have a lot more to do um, we have a student and wellness task force and counselors dedicated to our students. We make referrals to the community as well. But one of the things we started in 2012 was a, a program called Taking Care of Our Own. And this is to promote well-being and provide resources to all of our teammates, residents, medical students, um, faculty, and others. It's extended over time that we've made it available to serve our entire health system. Um, this week it's been that that team um, that was born out of our Department of Psychiatry, but is, is even more comprehensive than that, um, has been, you know, the ones really in the thick of caring for our students and our staff and our faculty across the university during this time. So I'm just so blown away and, and impressed and I'm grateful for that team and their selflessness, but their willingness to take on these challenges and to be available uh, 24-7, really, for our students and our, our residents um, and everybody. Um, but we're also opening a new medical education building called Roper Hall, and it's so beautiful. So that in itself helps all of our mental health. But 
it provides, we, we put a lot of thought into providing community space for our students to be together, to foster a greater sense of community. We have an exercise room in there for the students and a whole host of things that were, were built and planned in mind of wanting to build community and a sense of belonging, a sense of well-being, um, and opportunities to, to reach that, um, that place over time together. That's great. And, and I know there's been mentioned too, and I, I asked another physician leader not too long ago, you know, do physician lounges still exist? I think the answer was yes, technically, but they're not used for, you know, the connection and the camaraderie that they once were. So I think even things like just carving out spaces for those opportunities for students and emerging physicians to connect in that way, Dr. Page, sounds like it sounds really important, although it also seems really simple. Yeah, I mean, it's one one piece of it, um, for sure. Um, but we, we do, we have put a lot of planning and effort into those spaces throughout our hospital, as well as the medical education buildings. Um, and they're used, but it, part of it is evolving in terms of what the charting expectations are for physicians and those sorts of things. Um, but as people gather together and do it together and eat together, break bread together, have these hard conversations, see each other in the middle of the night, um, all of those things go a long way in, in building community and helping to, to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. As we wind down here, I wanted to go back. You have such a rich experience in, in family medicine. You've spent a significant amount of time and energy throughout your career, specifically on the redesign of primary care. And despite ongoing efforts to encourage students to pursue primary care specialties, the, the shortage there persists. What, Dr. Page, in closing, do you see as some credible ideas to change this? Well, it's multifactorial, of course, um, but we're, we're really working to, to identify those right learners to get them into the communities that need them. Um, we know that people from rural and underserved communities are more like, likely to return to those communities and that where you train is often where you practice. So getting more um, physician training into those rural and underserved areas where we need them. Um, the primary care doctors can be very, very useful because we can do so many different things. And so that adaptability to the needs of the community um, is really helpful. So we have a host of, of pipeline programs, the first scholars program to accelerate the curriculum and the residency placement, loan repayment to get them um, practicing and following through with their commitment into in primary care and rural practice. We've also expanded that into other specialties. Um, and then we're working together with great partners um, across the nation to start new programs in rural and underserved areas. I have the great fortune of partnering with HRSA to um, lead two national workforce centers that um, really focus on bringing rural and underserved training programs across rural America in multiple primary care and other medical um, disciplines as well as in dentistry. And already that partnership um, through a, a lot of federal funding is, is bearing significant fruits. We have nearly 600 more our new training programs, I mean training positions in, in rural and underserved areas um, that are accredited than we had just a few years ago. So we're, we're making good headway in terms of training people in the types of places and making sure that we're building up that training in ways that encourage our students uh, to follow through with their passions and to be able to train and live and serve in these communities. 
So I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by the, the changes in healthcare design around preventative services, around the focus of keeping people healthy and value-based care, population health, all of those things, not, not just treating people when they're sick, but really focusing on those underlying factors. So I think, you know, all those trends should be exciting to students um, as they explore careers in primary care. Um, and offer just a lot, a lot of, of hope for the kind of growth and the kind of um, really fulfilling career that a person can have um, as a primary care physician, and that is so critical to improving patients' health. So I feel encouraged by all of those things, although we do have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dr. Page, I want to thank you. you. We kind of bounced around from a number of different topics today. Uh, is there a thought or a note you would like to end on and leave our listeners with a certain message? I think you hit on it, Molly, earlier when you were talking about um, cynicism versus optimism and really um, turning our eyes towards the opportunity. I do think we see a lot of negativity in healthcare right now, burnout, financial issues, other major issues, Um, but it's such a time of opportunity. These, These new ideas from our young people Um, groundbreaking research, it's just rapidly changing the field. And this is our moment to to change the way we work, to organize around patients, to not accept the status quo, but to really build a new healthcare future based on, on what makes sense for patients and for our providers. And with that, there's a lot of energy and opportunity before us if we seize it. Um, so that's the main message I have, that this is our chance to really seize that opportunity and make it better for the next generations. Well, Dr. Page, you ended on a, a powerful note there. Um, this has been Dr. Christy Page, Executive Dean for UNC School of Medicine. Dr. Page, thank you again so much for spending some time with me today and being our guest. Thank you, Molly. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.